1: Visit the website, please. Johnson Air Con- Johnson's Air com. Johnson's Air Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples to find out more. Visit lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Shulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, historycentral.com. We'll also visit with Dr. Kristen Storyheld, talking about nursing homes and uh, why they may have problems during this pandemic. And Jim McTigge. Jim is the uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader, Uh, and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. It is November the 9th, and on this day in 1938, in an event that would foreshadow the Holocaust, German Nazis launched a campaign of terror against Jewish people in their homes and businesses in Germany and Austria. The violence, which continued through November the 10th and was dubbed Kristallnacht, or a night of broken glass after the countless smashed windows of Jewish-owned establishments left approximately 100 Jews dead, 7,500 Jewish businesses damaged, and hundreds of synagogues, homes, schools, and graveyards vandalized. An estimated 30,000 Jewish men were arrested, many of whom were sent to concentration camps for several months. They were released when they were promised to leave Germany, Kristallnacht represented a dramatic escalation in the campaign started by Adolf Hitler in 1933 when he became chancellor to purge Germany of its Jewish population. No pride in that, huh? The Nazis used the murder of a low level German diplomat in Paris by a 17 year old Polish Jew as an excuse to carry out the Kristallnacht attacks. On November the 7th, uh, 1938, Ernest von Roth was shot outside the German embassy by Herschel, and I can't pronounce this, it has too many G- Z's and Y's in it, but, but anyhow, his last name was, wanted revenge for his parents' sudden deportation from Germany to Poland, along with tens of thousands of other Polish Jews. Following von Roth's death, Nazi propaganda minister jo- Joseph Goebbels Uh, ordered uh, German stormtroopers to carry out violent riots disguised as spontaneous demonstrations against Jewish citizens. Just a devastating thing. And, of course, portended the uh, terrible assassination of so many Jewish uh, citizens uh, in Germany, Poland, Austria, other places as well. Over 100,000 Jews fled Germany for other countries after Kristallnacht. The international community was outraged by the violent events of November the 9th and 10th. Some countries broke off diplomatic relations in protest, but the Nazis suffered no serious consequences, leading them to believe they could get away with this mass murder that was the Holocaust, in which an estimated 6 million uh, Jews, European Jews, died. Not a proud moment in in uh, world history, in human history. Well, uh, Sunday, the Florida Department of Health reported 90 new cases of COVID-19, no additional deaths, and no information about what's happening in hospitals. We're going to visit with Mark Schulman in just a few minutes about what's happening with COVID around the world. So, did you notice anything about fo- different about Fox News if you watched it this weekend? Judge Janine Pirro didn't do her show on Saturday night because her topic was voter fraud, Fox declared Biden the winner in spite of the lawsuits. This may contribute to our understanding. Fox News air wife Catherine Murdoch called Trump a dictator and tweeted out, We did it! after Fox News declared declared Biden the winner. Uh, We're not uh, now loyal fans of Newsmax TV. My guess is we'll soon find Tucker Carlson and some of the others over at uh, Fox perhaps uh, wanting to bid farewell. Sad, indeed, to see this kind of a change. By the way, the uh, ratings for Fox have dropped precipitously since uh, they announced that Biden was the winner. Big news tonight. There are apparently 132,000 change of address flags in Fulton County, Georgia ballots. These ballots are likely ineligible. Kyle Becker and Peoples Pundit on Twitter announced moments ago that the 132,000 ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, are likely ineligible. Biden right now leads in Georgia by about 10,000 votes. By the way, Georgia is still up for uh, an audit. They're going to do a recount in Georgia, so that may find some other irregularities as well. So Attorney Sidney Powell uh, claims that her team has found 450,000 ballots with only votes for Biden and no down-ballot selections made. Powell suggests that this number of single ballot votes is suspect and indicative in part of the abject fraud that she says flipped the election to Biden. Powell's an attorney for Michael Flynn and has been vocal about the need to challenge the results of the general election, which she contends is rife with evidence of massive and coordinated effort to steal this election by efforts to delegitimize, destroy votes for Trump, to manufacture votes for Biden. They've done it in every way imaginable, from having dead people vote, to massive numbers, to absolutely fraudulently creating ballots that exist only voting for Biden, Pal told uh, Maria Bartiroma in her show on Sunday morning, we've identified uh, at least 450,000 ballots in key states that miraculously have have a, a mark for Joe Biden and no other candidate. Now that seems very suspicious to me, doesn't it to you? Powell pointed out in Florida where things are done right, noting that how the rest of the country should have gone is doing it the way Florida did it. Powell maintains that malicious actors used an algorithm to calculate the votes they would need to flip and then use the computers to flip those votes from Trump to Biden and from those other candidates to the, their competitors also. It wasn't just President Trump. There are many people affected by this, said Powell. We've got to fight tooth and nail in federal court to expose this abject fraud and conspiracy behind it and get a recount in audits in every place it's needed, which is, frankly, most of the country, she said. So it's not just the swing states. She's suggesting, for example, Virginia and other states that uh, may be very suspicious Individual instances of suspicious discoveries have popped up uh, consistently since Election Day, the latest being the discovery of an issue involving reporting from Fulton County, Georgia. The Secretary of State announced Saturday that he had investigators on site. President Trump tweeted to a Breitbart article about the investigation on Sunday afternoon. So uh, I have actually a clip. I'm not going to play it right now, but of uh, Sidney Powell and what she had to say on Maria's show. She started, this is... Abject fraud, and it's a—it's not just in one state. It's not a localized issue where you might expect something like that to happen by one of the uh, uh, people processing the, processing the votes. She says that there's software involved. She says there are people involved. There's a plan involved to steal the vote uh, for Biden. It certainly makes sense, doesn't it? And here's another story. Election software that incorrectly awarded thousands of votes to Joe Biden in Michigan Is used in a majority of U.S. states, including statewide in Georgia, where it's been reportedly had been implicated in several voting related glitches there. The Michigan State uh, Secretary of State confirmed on Friday that a software error in Antrim County, Michigan, in which Joe Biden was incorrectly awarded thousands of votes, that led him to be declared the county winner was caused by an error in which the county clerk did not update the software used to collect voting machine data and report unofficial results. The software is administered by the company Dominion Voting Systems. Remember that name, uh, Dominion Voting Systems. Following the correction of the error, the county flipped back to Trump, who walked away with 2,500 more votes than Biden, Beyond Michigan, Dominion voting system is also used in a majority of U.S. states with the company boasting its website of having customers in 28 states, including nine of the top 20 counties and four of the top 10 counties throughout the country. The system was used for presidential election in Georgia for the first time this year after the state announced in July that Dominion would be given a statewide contract uh, to provide systems and software to maintain 159 counties Multiple election-related glitches have been reported in the state since Tuesday. In one instance, voters in two Georgia counties have ground to a halt for several hours after an unknown update was applied to voting machines there. Now, why are there uh, updates during the uh, balloting uh, and during the election? It seems very suspicious to me. Um, Turns out that the uh, software this... uh, one of the chief executives of this company happens to be the former aide, top aide to, uh, to the Speaker of the House. And uh, he also serves on the board of a George Soros organi- organization. So, in another county, a software glitch caused a delay in uh, counting thousands of absentee ballots. Dominion reportedly received a $107 million contract for this. And by the way, as I mentioned, on the board of Smart Mantics. Dominion Voting Systems manufactured voting machines used in Michigan, Georgia, and 33 U.S. states is Mark Malik Brown. He serves on the Open Society's Foundation Board founded by George Soros. Malik Brown's ties to Soros are strong, and they are many. So there's so much other information. We're going to see lots of lawsuits. Nevertheless, uh, of course, the media has declared that uh, Joe Biden is the winner of the election. Mark Schulman wants to talk about how the world is responding to the election of Joe Biden. We'll, we'll be talking about that with Mark in just a moment. Uh, in my opinion, he's not the president-elect yet. That only happens after the votes have been certified, and we're a long way from that based on what I'm seeing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by by Life in Naples magazine. Visit lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of historycentral.com. We're going to be doing that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show
1: For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House thrift stores, Cafe M25, wash Washington Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Kristen Storyell. She's an ophthalmologist. We'll be talking about uh, what's happening in nursing homes. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral dot com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: So, Mark, so much to talk about right now. But breaking news: futures are going through the roof right now, up fifteen hundred points. Has something to do with perhaps uh, one the vaccine? What what's going right, on? Right. So,
2: so Pfizer just announced that in an initial trial, the vaccine has a ninety percent effectiveness against COVID nineteen. Now to put it into perspective a vaccine is considered effective when it has a 70% uh, effective rate. In other words, that 70% of the people do not get whatever disease it is. Uh-huh. The logic being that if everybody takes the vaccine, the disease will die because it won't find enough hosts that you know it brings the rate way down. Mm-hmm. This is a 90% effective rate which is very high. Yeah. Um, it is only 10 people though, or 12 people so it is not it is not phase 3 trial. It doesn't mean the vaccine is ready. It just means initial indications are that the vaccine will be extremely effective.
1: Well, the market oh, likes it, and uh, I'm sure... Well, the
2: market's always looking for great news, let me put it that way. Well, it's not it, always, it's, not, it's, it's not it's, it's always. This is a reason to rally at this point.
1: Yeah, but it, nevertheless, I'm sure those stocks are going through the roof. But it is good news to th- if, in fact, and there could be setbacks. There's no question about that. But it is very good news. So let's before we get into what's happening around the world, let's, let's, uh, let's focus on COVID. Right now, you are in Tel Aviv uh, in Israel. What's going on there?
2: Well, here, they started relaxing some of the restrictions over the last four weeks, and the numbers have started going up again. I mean, they're nothing like they were before we went into another curfew, which they were up at eight or 9,000 a day. They're down around 500, 600, 700, but they had dropped already to 400. And the problem, of course, is this is a push and pull. The more you open, the numbers go up again. The less you open, the more it hurts economically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a real push and pull. Let's put it that way, and it's trying to figure out where the right where the right point is. The biggest goal here is to try to put a two week period between opening different aspects of society. Therefore, you can actually measure wh- what effect everything has. So you know what's the worst or what's the best in terms of doing those things. Yeah. Right now, today, stores. Stores along the streets are being allowed to be open. Um, schools have been open through through third grades from last week, um, but still no restaurants other than takeout. Um, no malls are open, and of course nothing like wedding halls and those type of things.
1: So the the, the so, objective has always been flatten the curve. The big measure, of course, is hospitalization. So how's the healthcare system right, so doing? So that's
2: that's way down. Well, I don't know about the hospitalization, but the seriously ill is way down. We had peaked up at around seven hundred, and we're now around four hundred. So that's followed it down. Look, the real purpose here is to bridge until the vaccine is ready. Yeah. That, that's really what we're talking about here. If there was no vaccine over the and then a whole other thought has to be given to this. But with the, with the expectation that with 120 different companies working on a vaccine, that at least one or two of them are going to be effective, the whole point here is to bridge that time until the vaccine comes with the lowest possible number of people dying. Right. I mean, that's what you want to do. Um, unfortunately, uh, Europe is having a, a serious relapse now, um, all throughout all throughout Europe, and of course the United States—it's beyond control completely. Um, you know, I don't know how anyone's going to gain control of the virus right now in the United States. You're heading towards two hundred thousand a day, and that's. Going to overwhelm the healthcare system in the United States
1: everywhere. Else. Yeah, so I'm, we're here in Collier County. That's been my focus. I've been watching that carefully. I've, I'm seeing the, the number of cases has gone up. It's uh, actually the, the average seven day average new cases is more than doubled here in the last oh, since I think October the first. Uh, but hospitalizations um, they've increased also. But certainly the health. In fact, I would suggest that hospitals would like to see a little bit more business right now because they got a lot of empty beds.
2: Well don't forget hospitalizations is a lagging indicator. Yeah. So people don't need hospitalization usually until about two to three weeks after they've actually gotten COVID if the if if the case is going in that direction. Yeah. And death is a you know, even a further lagging indicator obviously. But if you look at the national averages, they've caught up with one another. In other words, hospitalizations are way up all over the United States and the number of deaths is now way up as well. Um and they haven't disappeared the day after the elections. Yeah. Um so um, it's very serious um, because you'll reach a point where the healthcare system is going to have a hard time managing to deal with as many cases as you have and the other problem that exists now is because it's happening almost in all the states of the united states a little bit less so in new york and california but it's happening almost everywhere it's almost impossible to surge additional medical help from one part of the country to the other so when new york first had it's terrible cases. Other parts of the United States were able to send doctors mm-hmm. and other healthcare workers to help. Now, when it's happening simultaneously everywhere, it's getting very, very difficult to do that.
1: Interesting. So, uh, are there any exceptions around the world? What's happening in Australia, New Zealand, other parts? East,
2: okay. So, Australia has had no cases in the last two weeks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, of course, New Zealand is completely free now for a month, I believe it is. China has a couple of cases every once in a while, but has also gained control. Vietnam also, Japan has gained control, and Taiwan has been in control forever. Um, again, no one is quite sure what, I mean, in Australia and, and New Zealand, it's quite clear that they put immediate curfews and difficult curfews in place, and because they're both islands, one obviously bigger than the other, they're able to cut themselves off from the rest of the world so they won't keep on coming back.
1: How about Africa? They
2: success. Story.
1: How about Africa? they um, you know have less, I would say uh, robust health care in, in most parts of Africa. Right, but they
2: seem to have less cases from what we, from what we've been able to tell. Mm-hmm. It has not spread as rapidly in Africa. Now that there's another factor that may may relate to that is the you know the transportation networks aren't as as effective in Africa mm-hmm. And remember the spread really goes along with transportation networks. If you look at the spread in the United States, you know it's spread by aircraft it's spread by train it's spread as people spread out in the United States mm-hmm. and the United States is a very mobile society kids going to college, kids going back from college all these people business trips all those sort of things and you know, the more the, more, the more the society is mobile, the easier it is for it to spread.
3: Yeah.
1: So great, great point, though. Uh, the, again, the, the hope of vaccine markets like it. Certainly we like it. Every, everybody should be uh, uh, pleased. And, and
2: everybody and, should be ready to take it because it will only work if everybody takes it. Hmm. I know people are going to say no and no. It has side effects and it's dangerous. And, but vaccines have been the most effective thing that have increased lifespan and decrease suffering of the human race of anything that medicine has done, mm-hmm. and without it, many of us would maybe not be here, or we'd be have chronic diseases or polio or whatever it might be. Vaccines have have saved millions and millions of lives.
1: Yeah, so this the and hope of this take... is that, is that even if people get it the, it, the cases that they get would be milder. Is that one of the things that the vaccine could accomplish? No, I, as
2: far as I understand, at this point, at least according at least the Pfizer one. People are not getting it. Period. Mm-hmm. They're being exposed, and they're not getting the disease. Well, that's so we that's shall see.
1: Yeah, that is um, very but, good news. Yeah,
2: and, and remember, the, the more people who have it, that means the less hosts can get the disease. And when the R is below one, for a long enough period of time, the disease dies because it does not find R. By the way, is the the words. For every, R1 means for everyone infected, they infect one other person. Mm-hmm. When R is 4, 5, or 6, it's a total disaster. It means one person is infecting 6. Mm-hmm. When R drops below 1, it means that one person is infected, does not infect, infects less than one person, which means the disease dies.
1: All right. Interesting, Mark. You know, it, uh, this, uh, this disease, COVID-19, this virus seems to have uh, muted news around the world there's a topic in abejan and as well as armenia what's the update right, there so
2: that, that that war is going on on a, on a lower flame the good news here is although the russians and the turks are supporting different sides um they've decided not to become too directly involved more than just humanitarian assistance and once in a while a little military um, yeah. not aid military aid but you know equipment and that is good because if the Turks and the Russians had gotten directly involved, there would have been a possibility of this spiraling out of control. Yeah. So it seems localized.
1: And that's it good news. Doesn't
2: seem to be ending anytime soon. There've been various attempts at ceasefires, and each one of them has failed.
1: Interesting. All right, Mark, we, I'd like to talk to you about other things that are going on in the world, including the world's reaction to the uh, victory or of uh, Joe Biden. Of course, uh, there's a lot of information that suggests that the he isn't victorious yet. But we'll we'll be talking about that and more. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I, I want to just uh, support uh, uh, Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, Bee's Kitchen just opened at, Saint, at the St. Matthew's House and, of course, largely promoted and uh, funded by Lulabee's Dine and the Holacek Family Foundation. So they have great breakfast and lunch in the Green Tree uh, Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Jim McTegg. He's the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. So, Mark, the next topic that we wanted to talk about was the world reacting to the Biden victory. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, almost every country in the world except for uh, Russia, Putin is the only world leader not to congratulate, uh, major world leader, I can't tell you about every single African country, obviously, but the only major world leader not to congratulate um, Vice President Biden, or President elect Biden. Um, every single world leader has sent his congratulations. The Europeans and most of American democratic allies are, are the happiest at this point. Um, friends of mine in Germany and other places are thrilled that normalcy we may return to American foreign policy. Um, as one diplomat said, um, at least we'll have someone normal to talk to. There isn't a, there isn't a senior diplomat in the world, a senior leader in the world who hasn't had one strange conversation or another with President Trump. Interesting. And that's the general sense in the world is a sigh of relief.
1: Well, so just for our listeners' benefit, if you're a new listener, please understand that Mark and I come from a different side of the spectrum politically and, uh, uh, I would call myself a Trump supporter. Mark, again, I think you've characterized President Trump as being one of the worst presidents, if not the worst, in the history of the United States.
2: Right. Absolutely. We absolutely disagree completely when it comes to President Trump. We agree on many foreign policy things. We actually even agree on many things relating to American policy. Absolutely, But it seems... It seems to be just in the area of this personality issue, we have this major problem. but Yeah,
1: so, so I'd like to play a, a, a clip. I hope this works. I don't usually do this on the show, but this is a, only a one-minute clip. It's from uh, Sidney Powell, who's the attorney for Michael Flynn. She's also one of the lead attorneys for the uh, Trump uh, campaign right now in terms of the litigation against some of the results that we've seen in the, some of these states. Let me see if this works. Walk
4: us through what has Good taken morning, place area. here as you see it. Yes, there has been a massive and coordinated effort to steal this election from we, the people of the United States of America, to delegitimize and destroy votes for Donald Trump, to manufacture votes for Joe Biden. They have done it in every way imaginable, from having dead people vote. In massive numbers to absolutely fraudulently creating ballots that exist only voting for Biden. We've identified at least 450,000 ballots in the key states that miraculously only have a mark for Joe Biden on them and no other candidate. If you look at Florida, where things were done right, you can see that that's how the rest of the country should have gone but they also used an algorithm to calculate the votes they would need to flip, and they used the computers to flip those votes from Biden, I mean, from Trump to Biden, and from other Republican candidates to their competitors also. I think Doug Collins had the race stolen from him. I think uh, John James had his race stolen from him. It wasn't just President Trump. There were many people affected by this. We have got to fight tooth and nail in federal court. To expose this abject fraud and the conspiracy behind it, and get a recount and audits in every place it's needed, which is, frankly, most of the country.
1: So there you go, Mark. I just appreciate. Okay, there
4: mind. I go. The insanity, traitorism, to undermine the election in the United
2: States. That there were there were Republican election officials running many of them. There were observers everywhere. This is a. This will undermine American democracy. It makes us look like a tin tot uh, dictatorship. If they wanted to undermine, if they were trying to change the vote, Lindsey Graham would not have won. The Senate would not looks like be in Republican hands. More Republican congressmen. There was an increase in Republican congressmen. They would have taken care of that as well. This is the most insane thing that I've ever heard in American politics. It's the most thing that will most undermine American, uh, the American system of democracy. It has never happened before that any candidate has ever claimed large scale fraud just because Donald Trump is loved by so many people, the fact of the matter is more people, it looks like it's going to be 10 million people more, will have voted for for Biden, and that's fair and real. The reality is that in the current vote, um, Hillary Clinton lost more or less by the same margins that Donald Trump is losing this time. A small switch in a bunch of states. Yeah. Despite the fact that Hillary Clinton had the majority of the popular vote. so To be doing this is a disaster for the United States. It reeks of 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 a belief in a man is more important than the system the system is more important than any given man and i i i'm astounded yeah. that normal people can actually believe any of this i have to say i've never been as upset to listen to this nonsense and it is total nonsense no proof has been given anywhere of any claims everything that has been brought to a, to a court of law has been dismissed immediately the reality is donald trump should at this point, do what every other candidate has done in the history of the United States. When it is clear that he has lost, he should concede, just like Hillary Clinton conceded within 12 hours of her defeat. Yeah. He has lost. He needs, to, he, needs to, he needs to concede. And now, worry about 2024. The Republicans can win again in 2024 with a different candidate, yeah. with him for that matter.
1: So fortunately, the reality is
2: to undermine the belief that the electoral system in the United States has been manipulated to that extent. I mean, do you realize what that means if that is the case?
1: Yes, I to certainly make those do.
2: Charges without any proof of any significance.
1: Well, you, and certainly, and the matter
2: is, of course, Mark, Trump Mark, was important. in Let, me get, the let me get a law.
1: word. Let me get a word in here, Edgewise. so, so no,
2: uh, we don't deserve a word. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> so,
1: my, my, the, here's the situation. I mean, the, obviously, it's it's not going to be your word against mine. This is all going to be information and, and proof, and uh, that would be in facts so that will be considered at a court of law, and it'll it'll be sorted out by uh, the courts. And uh, we'll see where this I all comes think up. I
2: don't go very far in the courts. Everything has been thrown out almost immediately in the courts because there's been no proof. Wow. There's been a series of charges that have been made. Because President Trump had a fit because he lost the election, That everything is false now all of a sudden. So he the didn't have a fit. The, the, the way the election fit. came out was the way it was expected in the sense of the really first a red wave and then a blue wave, depending on which state or a blue wave and then a red wave, depending on how the votes were counted. Yeah because all almost all mail in votes have been democratic and all and all of the votes of the of the day of the election Republican. So, that was how President Trump had pushed it. That's the way it worked out. Yeah. In some cases, it was enough to win the state. Yeah. In some cases, it's been not enough to win the state. Yeah. That's the way the elections work. So fortunately, you know, if this is
1: fortunately, if this
2: is a massive conspiracy. It's a very poor one. Like I said, they would have taken the Senate. and They would have taken the House in well, much larger numbers.
1: Well, I think the president, first of all, predicted this. He said that this was going to happen because of the uh, the uh, ballot uh, situation of mailing mailing in ballots. And uh, we'll see how this all sorts out because, there's a, as you suggested, there's no evidence. I see a lot of evidence of fraud or fraud, and I see it It's a, a collusion. I actually see, uh, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible that we could not have a blue wave. We actually had a red wave in most state houses. And yet, how could, they, how could the, the president actually not be part of that wave? It just makes no sense to because me. Whatsoever.
2: People would, because people, X percentage of people, may believe in some of the Republican ideas but renounced this president and his style. Uh-huh. That's what happened here. A percentage of those people who would have normally voted for Republicans decided that they cannot take the sort of presidency that President Trump has has had over these years. Yeah. They may believe in the conservative views in many ways. They may believe in conservative, traditional um, appointees, all those sort of things. However, they felt that President Trump has been a stain on the presidency. So, and that's why they voted. Some of them voted the other way. Now it's not a lot, so, but it's enough to make the difference.
1: So, Mark, I, it, uh, does, it doesn't. That's sound, what elections are all about. It doesn't sound to me like I've convinced you, and I can assure you that you haven't convinced me. So. I'm
2: sure I haven't convinced you because we we read alternative news sources. Mine are real. <laughs> yours are fake. What can I tell you?
1: <laughs> so, so, Mark, listen. We're going to resolve this off-air. That Mark and I made a little wager. Uh, and uh, so we're putting some money on this, and we'll see how this all turns out. But, uh, Mark, you know, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. And, you know, what? I, I, Have I, a
2: wonderful I, week, Bob. You
1: know what? You're a brilliant guy in so many ways. Not in this way, but in, in so many ways.
2: Okay. <laughs> Let's just put it this way I'm the one who's written the history of presidential elections. I'm waiting for version four as soon as this election is done. So I can't I may not be brilliant about this, but uh, I do have the history of it. Yeah, down i done pretty well. I really
1: look forward to your biography of President Trump. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the have show. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You, you as well. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. Kristen Storyheld. She's a medical doctor, ophthalmologist. She read a very interesting column about nursing, nursing homes needing support. What? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Harden show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best, and the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. He's a former Barrons Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. Right now we have with us Dr. Kristen Storyheld. She's a medical doctor, she's an ophthalmologist near and dear to my heart right now because I just had uh, surgery, eye surgery, and uh, uh, so so grateful for the s- support that I got. Dr. Hill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
5: Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I'm glad your surgery went well. It can really be life-changing to see well again.
1: Yeah, I mean, cataract surgery, it's just amazing. I only had one eye done so far, but, uh, you know, I can actually see brighter colors and I can actually actually read without my glasses, so uh, it's an amazing thing. Anyhow, That's you amazing. wrote you wrote a column. Nursing homes need support and blame, not blame during the pandemic. Maybe you can tell us about it.
5: It's such an important issue. You, people don't realize it, but as we get older, um, many many people choose to go to a uh, nursing home or a, a long term care facility, and the cost of that really for two-thirds of patients is now born by Medicaid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think of most people going to a long-term care facility as Medicare, which is our um, system of paying for health care for people over 65. Mm -hmm. But in the current um, situation, two-thirds of people are covered by Medicaid, which is supposed to be our safety net for the poor. And the problem with Medicaid, as many of us know, is it's very restrictive, it's very limited, and basically it's a government rationing system. And only 75% of the actual cost of care in a nursing home is even covered by Medicaid. So that means that these nursing homes going into the pandemic where a virus particularly affected seniors, particularly those over 70, they were only covered with 75% of the cost When we weren't in a pandemic, Mm -hmm. they went in this completely unprepared, unable to hire more staff, separate, step up sanitation practices, buy all the unexpected supplies. It was just really tragic. And then that compounded by the fact that certain governors, really epitomized by the acts of Governor Cuomo from New York, sent patients sick with. Covid nineteen or with positive tests infected back to nursing homes to spread it, and and the entire situation was just like pouring gasoline on a fire. It was very 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 sad, and as a result, you know we've lost more than forty thousand seniors at nursing homes. And and, and to put that into, into um, perspective, well, there's about two point four million people living in long term care facilities. There's only about forty two point four thousand that um, need assisted living. So uh-huh. we've lost a significant number of those patients, and it was really unnecessary. It was because they're covered by a government program that is not equipped
1: yeah. to cover them. You know, uh, Dr. Held, and this is one of the reasons I found the story so fascinating, because I thought this was kind of the canary in the coal mine, kind of a glimpse into what single-payer system might look like for all of us going forward.
5: Well, it really is. It is very, very telling. You know, when we developed these government programs in 1965 under President Johnson with the promise that government would never interfere with any medical decision-making or financing, we can see that we've come full circle, and now Medicaid is the de facto single payer for elderly care. They can choose to pay for their care with Medicare or private sources, but that's so much more expensive that many, many patients and their families have chosen to use a lot of the broad um, requirements that let them use Medicaid. And Medicaid is the example of a government program where patients that have Medicaid,
2: Mm
5: -hmm. if you look at the outcomes, many studies have shown that they do worse than people that have no insurance whatsoever. So it's very, very sad to me. And and another compounding factor that is that government arrogance um, rather than saying, Boy, we need to get more money into the Medicaid, into the nursing homes, help our seniors, help our truly disabled people that are in long-term care facilities for their entire life. <laughs> instead, the politicians and bureaucrats said, nope, we're going to make we're going to scale back their liability protection, make them uh, responsible if anything happens to patients, even though they're given the sickest patients with the least resources. Yeah, uh, comma, which is rationing. Um, and yet then gave themselves, as the politicians who sent patients there, uh, protection from any sort of liability. So, boy, look at, you're really right. When we talk about government-run health care, there's huge, multiple canaries in the (laughs) coal (laughs) mine.
1: Absolutely. You know, just taking a step back, uh, Dr. Held, what if you could, uh, you're an ophthalmologist, just taking a step back. uh, Why is this such an important issue to you?
5: Well, because I see what's happening. You know, we talked earlier about the great technology. That was such a great lead into our discussion. Mm -hmm. In ophthalmology, we have fabulous technology. We have implants that you can see distance and near and get rid of your astigmatism and have laser surgery. and I mean, just amazing things. Very quickly, in and out to cataracts, which are an issue that face every one of us if we're blessed enough to live long enough. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? You're on Medicare, you're forced to go on Medicare when you're 65, and Medicare, while it says it covers everything, it doesn't cover the latest technology. Right. It covers the old technology, plain Jane, but if you want anything else, you pay out of pocket. So there's a huge false narrative out of there, and, and it truly is de facto rationing when they decide what, when government decides what they're going to pay for, who's going to get it, who's going to do it. Um... Absolutely, there's rationing.
1: Yeah, well, that's that again, that's why the story is so important to me because I just uh, I think uh, the best health care would occur and the least expensive. If we could maintain quality and, and reduce expense by making it patient-centered, make sure that the patients have skin in the game, they should have health savings accounts, and uh, that we should have total transparency cost in medicine, and we should get the government as much as possible, and I would suggest 100% out of health care whatsoever.
5: We could really do that. Um, If we allowed people to expand health savings accounts, put money in month to month, year to year, and if you're blessed enough not to use it, that pot will grow. And then when you reach Medicare age, you can use money on um, new technology. You can make choices. You might choose to stay with a plan that you've had your entire life because with the plans being unconstrained by all of these government regulations and bureaucratic expense, You won't have a problem with pre-existing. You'll have a, a plan that you carry with you throughout your life, from job to job, from crisis to not. In the current scenario, in just 2017 alone, think about this, $800 billion was spent on administration alone. And now that we've got these Medicare Advantage plans, the cost of administering them are six times higher than regular Medicare. Yeah. So every time government gets involved, it gets more expensive. Every time you get government out and have free market competition, and ophthalmology is a perfect example, you can have patients choose to go to surgeons and doctors and hospitals and facilities that do the highest quality of care but have the lowest prices. Yeah. And then you've got money less at the end of the year in your savings account. In our current scenario, whether you use it or not, your money's gone at the end of the year.
1: Isn't it the truth? Uh, So we
5: have a whole new group of people that are uninsured because they can't afford to get on the expensive marketplace Affordable Care Act plans if you're above the line of qualifying for Medicaid or subsidies, and so many people are having to go without altogether. So we've created a worse problem. We could solve it putting patients at the center, patients in control of their decisions, and their healthcare dollars. And that in itself would make insurance companies have to come up with individualized plans that each of us could choose to our liking. Competition would bring costs down, and can you imagine what would happen to drug costs?
1: Absolutely. We would
5: have a whole new world.
1: Absolutely, you know what, that $800 billion. Yes. Yeah.
5: Look what we could do
1: there. Uh, Dr. Held, I, we're in violent agreement, I can see. so <laughs> I'm just so grateful that uh, you came on, story, uh, on the show to share uh, your thoughts on this most interesting topic. Again, Dr. Kristen Storyheld, ophthalmologist, really appreciate you coming. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you, Bob. Have a great
1: day. You as well, thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau chief, and since he retired, he has been writing novels, and they are terrific. Uh, Father the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. We're going to be doing that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Bee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889. That's 598-3889. Or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasant surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Hartman.
4: Thanks
1: so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. For example, they create policies and programs to get able bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. Jim, of, uh, of course, is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's had his Washington press pass or uh, White House press pass. He's also uh, written a couple of books, Father the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree Great Murder Mysteries, uh, located in Washington, D.C. Jim, thank you so much for joining us.
3: It's a pleasure, uh, and I'm still excited about the, this election It's, it's um, you know as a uh, I, I like to think I can be clinically detached. Uh, this was like uh, the Notre Dame Clemson football game, yeah, two great teams and, and a cliffhanger
1: hey wasn't that a great game by the way. I did watch that. It was fun indeed uh, it,
3: yeah, it was and I, I have to say uh, Clemson was remarkable when you, when you consider uh, all their uh, first stringers who were sitting on the bench with, uh, for one reason or the other, right. that they have the depth, that they can come up with another quarterback who was spectacular. And uh, Notre Dame, of course, was so resilient. Uh, you know, it's uh, probably the best college football game in memory, and uh, it says something about uh, hard work, practice, you know, Wonderful game, and it's kind of like uh, the uh, Trump Biden campaign. I can't fault either team, and it was a cliffhanger. And uh, you know, some will argue that it's not over yet. I think Biden probably will will win narrowly.
1: Uh huh. I I uh, I don't agree with that uh, uh, assessment, but I certainly respect it. And uh, you know, the problem based on past history and just inductive reasoning, that's probably how it's going to go because people get tired of. The uh, the uh, lawsuits and that kind of thing. But uh, I don't think knowing the president, I don't think he's going to give up. So uh, he'll he'll follow this until every vote is counted. And quite frankly, I don't know if you've heard Sidney Powell's quotes, but she's uh, she came out and said this has been a coordinated fraud across the country. And uh, I think she wants to get to the bottom of it.
3: Well, you know, I, I agree with the president that every vote should be counted, and, and the Associated Press does not determine the outcome of elections right. in the United States. Um, so, and in fact, uh, Georgia, where there was a close race, uh, they won't certify their vote until Friday. Or no, they won't They won't finish the count until Friday, and they won't certify it until the 20th. So, So I agree with the president that you should let the law determine who the winner is, not a press organization number right. one. Uh, having said that, I think his um, lawsuits uh, are hail mary passes. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot of them will be dismissed. Uh, I had been focused on the Pennsylvania race, where yeah. the state supreme court there clearly overstepped its bounds. It it um, it violated its own state law in in granting an extension right. uh, for some mail in ballots. Uh, those ballots should be
1: thrown out. Uh, well, Alito's, Alito, now he's, this is very, very unusual, but the Supreme Court Justice uh, Alito said he wants those ballots set aside and not included in the count or, 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 or definitely just set aside. So to me, I mean, it's got the interest of the Supreme Court already. So this could, this
3: could get some, uh, some traction. It could, but but I don't think the amount of votes in question will sway Pennsylvania. And the reason I think uh, now, I don't think there was a nationwide coordinated uh, effort Mm -hmm. to throw the election. And and, uh, when you have something that big, that massive, that complicated, uh, you're going to you're going to have squealers all over the place. Uh, I've always seen as, uh, you know, 37 years in the business covering elections. Uh, there's always some shenanigans by both parties at the local level. Right. Um, you know, in New, New Jersey, Hudson County, New Jersey is famous uh, for people trying to rig uh, local elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 37 years, I had never seen a coordinated effort that could sway uh you know, a state, let alone the, the country. Now, so here's the interesting thing, Virginia though. West and, Virginia and John F. Kennedy, uh, you know, but there's no smoking gun there that, you know, we don't know if that's urban legend or truth. All
1: right. So I, I, I just acknowledge your point, just based on inductive reasoning. It's never happened before. How could it possibly happen now? And yet this new software that has been installed by many states, I guess the majority of states across the nation, apparently had some sort of a software update <laughs> to stop the uh, the count during the election. Now, that seems very suspicious to me. My hope is that we're going to check that out. And by the way, the software company that uh, sold this to these company countries, in, I'm sorry, uh, states, including Georgia and Pennsylvania, happens to be the its chief uh, uh, executive is the is the uh, former. Uh, a uh, chief person for uh, Nancy Pelosi and a big supporter sits on the board of uh, one of George Soros's companies, so uh, it's very suspicious
3: to me. Yeah, I you know I don't buy the fact that uh, the the trope that George Soros is is the Betmore master puppet the uh, you know the puppet master mm-hmm. of, of the Democratic Party that's trying to overthrow democracy. Number one, mm. uh, number two, again to repeat my point on the local level. In a lot of these election offices, you have Republicans and Democrats, and if there, you know, if there were uh, shenanigans, uh, people would be stepping forward by the hundreds, not the dozens. So, so. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah, of, there's a lot mean, of. We folks. could argue this all day, but I just think Biden's going to win by a
1: hair. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, and uh, I, I, there are a lot of folks have stepped forward, so there's a lot of irregularities in this, in this, including sending out mail-in ballots without, uh, you know, f- for example in Florida, we do it the right way, you have to request the ballot, you have to sign for it, and that kind of thing. Uh, that didn't happen in several states, creating the opportunity for this kind of fraud, so it'll be interesting to see how it, it turns out, um, you know, my assessment, looks like there's a lot of evidence, but your assessment, you're saying, you
3: know, it's probably not going to work out. And it's, yeah, and, it's, and I, I'll your listeners know I voted for Biden. Yes. I actually voted against Trump, mm-hmm. I'm not, but I voted for Biden. But I'm in favor of divided government, uh, and I'm in favor of the recount, and I'm in favor of the lawsuits because, uh, uh, to your point, uh, you know, let's make sure our house is in order. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm praying that, uh, George, that Republicans pick up uh, at least one Senate seat. In Georgia, in the runoff Great point. Uh, in in January,
1: or else uh, we're in real trouble. Great point, and uh, that, those elections—I don't know what day they are in January—but because of the way the Georgia, you have to win a majority of the vote apparently because to to win in Georgia, and there were three candidates or more than one, two candidates. So, and never the runoff is for both Senate seats in Georgia. This is U.S. Senate, by the way. It happens sometime in January, and if in fact they don't win, if they lose both of those and for example trump and uh, biden becomes president it's game over i mean we're sliding right down into socialism
3: yeah it's um and it's really close i mean to win this and it's in, in georgia you have to have at least 50% of the vote right so incumbent david perdue a republican he got 49 point something against john assoff who's a democrat and you know a television uh, investigative uh, reporter and uh, that was really a Brutal, uh, really dirty race, um, and then we have uh, Kelly uh, Weffler, who who was you know voted one hundred percent for Trump. She was a uh, she was an appointee to fill uh, Johnny Isaacson's uh, term. Uh, he 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 uh, Isaacson had left because he has Parkinson's disease, and that, yeah. that term ends in twenty twenty three. And she's running against uh, Raphael Warnock, who's a uh, a preacher at he's a pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta where Martin Luther King went and he uh, he's a black man who who officiated at the funeral of Senator John Lewis oh. you know, who is beloved uh, in Georgia yeah. so it's a tough contest for the Republicans it it's, it's not a slam dunk uh, by any means and we're going to see hundreds of millions of dollars pouring into Georgia Uh, I wish I owned a television station there
1: there right now. Yeah, exactly. Get that uh, advertising revenue. Well, I say, uh, Jim, I'm just so happy that you put uh, some light on this very important issue because it all comes down to Georgia, doesn't it, sometime in January. I've forgotten the date, but I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I would appreciate your feedback. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with State Senator Kathleen Pasadomo. Boo Mortensen will be joining us, and we'll visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. By the way, my wife Linda, Greetings in Paradise, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Bye.